on this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Um, you know, all I knew how to make were eggs <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. And so now my youngest brother hates eggs <laughs> to this day. Um, but nonetheless, uh, the one thing that I do remember were my mother's health choices. And I remember feeling helpless about it when I was very young. And uh, she had, she was on the verge of obesity. She um, uh, ate a diet primarily of sugar and refined foods. She, you know, like coffee cake and, sh- and sugar in her coffee in the morning. <laughs> um, she uh, smoked a pack and a half of cigarettes a day. She um, was under chronic stress because she was alone. She had no family. They were all out of state. My father uh, wasn't able to, he was out of state as well. Hey folks, before we get started, I wanted to tell you about my new book, The Stone Chiseler. This book was inspired by Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. In this story, young Giovanni Cristiani is cast to the deplorable stone yards where he is imprisoned indefinitely. And Giovanni has a very important decision to make. Will he accept this life as nothing more than a stone chiseler or will he in fact sculpt himself into the man that he's capable of being. Check it out now at Amazon.com, The Stone Chiseler. And now, enjoy the show. All right, so Dr. Lori Shamick, I am so excited to finally get to talk to you. I've followed your work for some time now, so thank you so much for joining me on The Jason Wright Show. Well, thank you, Jason. It's so exciting to be here. You know, I've been really looking forward to this. You know, we're connected on social media and I see your stuff all the time and it really resonates with me. So thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that very much. Well, you're so welcome. And like I told you before we got on live, I was like, you know, the cool thing is I think I've done enough research. I'm getting more steeped in. I'm not saying I'm knowledgeable, but I know enough to ask better questions. You all, People always ask me, you know, well, when you went to graduate school and you got your MBA, was it worth it? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm always kind of like, well, I don't know how to answer it other than I at least know how to ask much better questions. Right. And I, and I think that as it relates to health and wellness and where I hope to go with this conversation is I think that I'll be able to get to some better questions that will really help this audience get below just the surface level, you know, what is a keto diet and what should I be doing for my mitochondria or people that don't even know what mitochondria is, you know, let's, I really want to dive as deep as we can. Mm -hmm. But there's one thing that in doing my research that struck me as very familiar, this is something you and I have in common and and you talk as little or as much as you want to about it. So I was listening to you talk about your mom and kind of Mm -hmm. the environment that you grew up in versus the health and wellness expert and influencer and just, you know, kind of Jedi mind that you are now versus where you came from. Similar background. So will you talk a little bit about the genesis of your health journey? Absolutely. You know, um, we all have a story. um, And my story really motivated me to choose what I like to do now, which is health, nutrition, and uh, more than that. But but essentially, that's what I love to do is to help people. And I've always been that way. You know, even as a teenager, I was, uh, you know, volunteering to help others. And, you know, it's just part of my nature. Um, but so unfortunately, I grew up with a mother, a single mother, and two younger brothers. I was the oldest. And my mother had just just terrible health conditions chronically all the time. So much so that it really kept her bedridden. It kept her not working very much. Um, It kept her unable to be a mother, if you will, the nurturing part of it, the cooking part of it. I had to, you know, take over her duties there. And um, so my two younger brothers really uh, relied on me a lot in those areas. And 
um, you know, all I knew how to make were eggs <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. And so now my youngest brother hates eggs <laughs> to this day. Um, but nonetheless, uh, the one thing that I do remember were my mother's health choices. And I remember feeling helpless about it when I was very young. And uh, she had, she was on the verge of obesity. She um, uh, ate a diet primarily of sugar and refined foods. She, you know, like coffee cake and, sh and sugar in her coffee in the morning. <laughs> um, she uh, smoked a pack and a half of cigarettes a day. She um, was under chronic stress because she was alone. She had no family. They were all out of state. My father uh, wasn't able to, he was out of state as well. And so essentially it was just the three of us. I mean, uh, you know, the four of us, I mean. And so, you know, she, I had to nurture her, take care of her when necessary, and but mostly my brothers. And, um, you know, unfortunately, my mother's health deteriorated and she died at the very young age of 36, leaving behind three young children with literally nowhere to go. You know, we didn't have anywhere to go. And so um, my mom, you know, she she worked so hard in her life, but then towards the end of her life became very ill. And so it was during that period of time that I said to myself, I wish I could help her. I wish I could help her. And it was because of that experience that I went on to do what I do. I actually went on to counsel uh, at-risk families. I got my doctorate in psychology and uh, became vice president of family outreach. And then um, I, I literally witnessed the dramatic effect that food has on people. So my, my clients, their health, their mindset changed when I literally gave them a shopping list of foods to eat, right? They would literally buy these foods and they would be in their, their diet, but those foods help them tremendously powerfully. So, you know, you cannot under, you just, uh, the, the power of food is tremendous. It really is. That's so oh, I need to finish and tell you what, what happened. So um, I decided to go back to school, became a nutritionist and uh, a, a health coach. And I combined my background in psychology with all of that and uh, started my own business. And uh, that's where I am today. <laughs> God. And you know what? The, the thing is crazy is our, that is you're, you're kind of a trailblazer for, for a path that, I mean, I've actually looked into getting my degree in uh, becoming a licensed counselor with the, with the idea of wanting to help people that don't understand their habits and the decisions they make, the power that they have, and how food and health and wellness relates to that. You know, I have right. a... Um, and I, and I say this very respectfully, you know, I have a, a mother in the very similar condition as yours. I mean, she's, she's 70 years old, but if you didn't know better, based on her, the, her ability to, to get around and everything, you'd think she was 85 or 90. As a matter of fact, I have a 95-year-old grandmother that gets around better than my 70-year-old mother. And, yeah. And so, and it's, and, and I, and my heart goes out to her, but, and you listen to her and you talk about her, her choices for activity or lack thereof the things that she's eaten, the things that she's put in her body over the years. And what, and I don't look at it from a judgmental standpoint, but I'm like, I want to help. And so much of this does come down to like, even, and talk a little bit about this, if you will, because like mm -hmm. one of the things I see is a lot of people that are overweight, that battle depression and these sorts of things. Whenever you go to their diet, I am telling you, and I know this, if I have a big carby, especially simple sugar filled meal, I will end up feeling grumpy, almost just, just terrible. It, the mental state. That, oh, strange. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and I think, there. yeah. yeah. It, it, talk a little bit about just how the whole nutritional aspect, the impact that it has holistically on our mood, on our ability to just perform life better, because you mentioned it. The power of food is something I don't think a lot of people truly grasp. They just think, well, you eat that way because you're one of those healthy, you're one of those health nuts. And it's like, no, right. this, this is literally like, you know, God's medicine. It's, it's, it, it's, it has, it, it has healing powers. It has, you know, regenerative powers. Talk a little yeah. bit about how getting that right can completely change one's life. 
Yes, Jason, you hit the nail on the head, really, because food is a is literally the foundation of life, right? Mm -hmm. And our bodies are meant to heal. Our bodies are not meant to degrade. That's not what we're here to do. Our bodies are, you know, when we're in, when our bodies are under attack, it, it, its role is to help us heal. And so what happens is people are going against nature by choosing foods, like you mentioned, um, refined uh, pot, uh, carbs, you know, like pastas and, and sugar, things like that. Those uh, directly affect the mechanisms, the hormones, the mitochondria, everything that is vital to optimal health. And, um, and I say that very seriously because, you know, many people eat foods. Yes, it's delicious. You know, it's wonderful. And we all need to live. We all need to enjoy our life. But for the most part, uh, you know, you, you want to choose foods that literally change your gene expression. And this is called epigenetics. And it's right there at the end of your fork. It is information uh, you know, the, the cells in our body use the food that we eat as information as to what needs to be done. And um, so when you're eating these types of foods, they're getting the wrong information, they're not getting anything. And so a lot of things go awry. And that's when, um, you know, we, we see trouble down the road, it doesn't usually happen immediately. And, you know, and if you're a healthy person, like, you know, you are Jason, you can eat that carby meal, uh, probably a couple times before you really start to feel the effects of it. It's because your body is healthy. It's insulin sensitive, I'm assuming, and it knows what to do with all that excess insulin. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, you know, and that's the beauty of being healthy is that your body knows what to do when again it's under attack and so again i want to stress it's okay once in a while to eat these kinds of foods but when you're doing it chronically it is a very real issue and it, it's one that people need to really pay attention to so you mentioned something there that i would like to discuss with you a little bit because mm -hmm. it, I, i'm very new to the understanding of epigenetics. I have started to like, you know, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong and kind of um, and take it a little deeper. So mm -hmm. what my understanding is that we we all are born with a genetic code. We can't change our DNA. I mean, that's right. but, but we can and a lot of people that will listen to this that are obese, that have insulin resistance, that have whatever health ailment you can think they're bipolar, whatever, whatever the case may be, they'll say, Well, you know, I'm just genetically disposed to this thing. Now, we might not be able to change our DNA, but there are some markers we can measure and start to pull some levers to change and work with our genetic code against some of the, 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 the negative parts of our genetic code to get things into a more a better state. Am I, am I right about that? And then if, that, if I am correct, then talk to the listeners about some, some steps that really make this, make, what are those levers that we pull and what does that look like? Well, um, so first of all, epigenetics means that we have, like you mentioned, DNA that's, that is literally permanent. We, I have brown eyes, you know, brown hair, et cetera. Those are the things um, we are born with and that's in our DNA. Uh, but epigenetics is more like software, if you will. So it's, it's an environmental um, action that you've taken, such as the food you're eating or the pollution around you or lack thereof, water you're drinking, um, that is supplements you're taking, those literally affect your DNA expression, okay? And you're, you're changing it, you're methylating it in most cases, uh, silencing the bad stuff and promoting the good stuff. And so, um, you know, when you know, when we take, say, a DNA test, that's something that's encoded, that's, that's a permanent DNA, uh, like for Alzheimer's, you can find out if you have Alzheimer's, I think that's what you're alluding to, uh, Parkinson's, breast cancer, things like that. But those, if you find out that, um, and then there are other, you know, sub factors that you can look at, like you're, you're deficient in certain B vitamins, 
um, you know, vitamin D and all of that, all that good stuff. Some people just aren't good methylators are not good at, um, you know, uh, really um, taking their bodies are not good at, at processing certain nutrients. Let me just say that. Right. Right. And so what do we do to, once we find out some of those markers and we, and we know we identify some of those, uh, some of those, those deficiencies that we may be naturally coded for, what are some steps we can start taking? And then, and go ahead and let's, let's talk about like what we were mentioning offline, which is, and to the listener. So Lori and I are about to go down a road where it's beyond skin level. It's about, it's, it's beyond just talking body fat. Although body fat is very important. It's, I want to take it to the cellular level and your expertise and where I really want you to just kind of take the floor is describe to the listener why it is so important to understand our cellular health versus just thinking about I'm fat or I'm not fat. You know, my body fat's 14% or it's 36%. You know, these things, you know, my, my VO2 max might be 50, but, or whatever. Uh, instead, let's get it down to the cellular level and how we start to develop healthy cells. And then, and as it relates to our overall health. Yeah. Um, so that's the most important component of health is to literally look at, look at everything you do in your life every day from a cellular perspective. Right. And, um, so if you're overweight, you know, you want to, um, make sure that you're, you're eating in such a way that it's going to, uh, promote the necessary signals in the body. So you want the, the leptin signaling, you want the ghrelin signaling to tamp down, which is your hunger hormone. Leptin tells your body that you've had enough food, your brain that you've had enough food. And um, the foods you eat have a major impact on fat loss as well, such as AMPK, which uh, is, you know, you can find it in many foods and supplements as well um, that uh, ramp up fat loss. But, you know, when you when it comes to fat loss, it is really about hormones. It really is. And everybody's different. So it's it's not just me sitting here saying, well, you need to eat this and you need to eat that. and You need to go on a ketogenic diet or you need to intermittent fast. It isn't that way. Everybody is different. And so uh, I always say that you need to definitely experiment you know, do your own experimentation with everything because uh, not one thing will work for everybody. Some things work for all of us, you know, like vitamin D. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, you said, you mentioned signaling. I have probably over the last year or so really understood, when, like when I used to hear inflammation, my, my level of understanding of what inflammation was, was if I, if I, cut myself and there's a little bit of red around the wound, right? I know oh, that's, that's inflamed. And right. li little did I understand that there is, you know, there's immediate inflammation. There's kind of maintenance inflammation, the, 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 the primary two, and that we can manage the inflammation in our body. And I certainly didn't know whenever people would talk about, and I and feel free to take off on industrial seed oils and some of the things that cause inflammation in our body. I, that, that made no sense to me. Now I get it. And I got to believe there's probably listeners here going, wait a minute, you're telling me that eating a cheeseburger from McDonald's and French fries, that can cause inflammation in my body. I don't understand. I thought inflammation came from an actual injury. Now there is an injury that the body is recognizing, right? That, which is that cellular. And so you're, we're, we're setting off, we're setting off alarms in our body and sending basically a rescue crew. Cause they're saying, Hey, we've got some forces coming to the body that are, that could do some damage to the cell. Talk a little bit about inflammation, managing it and why, as it relates to this topic of cellular health, it's so vitally important that people understand what causes inflammation. It is. Yeah. So, uh, inflammation, most people have heard about it. And uh, by now, it, especially during COVID, it became more popular, you know, in terms of a term, a buzzword. But I've been talking about inflammation long before it became a buzzword and uh, trying to educate the public on the dangers of this low level chronic silent inflammation. And it is this very inflammation that uh, led to my mother's death. 
right? So um, what my goal in life is to help people keep that inflammation low. We always want some, but we don't want an excess of it. We, you know, this, this inflammation does spiral out of control. So uh, the first type is called acute inflammation and uh, it's not so cute because it hurts, it stings, it's that cut, you know, you were referring to. So if you take a cut on your finger, uh, you imagine, you know, all these, um, hormones and, and uh, not hormones, but uh, chemical messengers are released. Soldiers come to the site to repair the wound. The wound heals. The soldiers go away. The inflammation goes away and all is well, right? It's short-lived. It's generally, it's acute and it's a, a healing response. It's a necessary cellular healing response, okay? Without it, we'd be sitting ducks. We would not be alive. So the uh, next type of inflammation is what I'm, ref what uh, Jason is referring to, which is uh, this chronic low-level inflammation. And it is this inflammation, it's like having a sore on the inside of your body that never heals. And many, 75% of our population has some form of it and they do not even realize it. And uh, so, you know, this is a type of inflammation as the core underlying cause of most illness, disease, faster aging and weight gain. Okay. And so I wrote a book called How to Fight Fat Flammation. And it's about how fat cells themselves uh, spew out these inflammatory molecules, leading to a slower metabolism, uh, inflamed body. And you can imagine it's just a 24 seven issue. So with these inflamed cells uh, in the body, they are spewing out uh, inflammatory molecules 24 seven, and it's just non-ending. And so what we want to do is we want to live an anti-inflammatory lifestyle that uh, stops this unnecessary uh, signaling, if you will. And what happens is the cells signal distress somewhere in the body, wherever you're vulnerable in the body, um, you will, you will, um, promote, you will uh, express inflammation. They, there's research out there showing that if uh, six months before people gain weight, that uh, if they take a test, they can, they can tell if you're going to gain weight six months prior to you beginning to gain weight from the markers. And so it's just a really insidious process, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so when you, you see people uh, that dropped out of a heart attack, for example, they've been experiencing this. Um, you know, you think about John Candy, the comedian who, who just, you know, had a heart attack and died. And, and that type of inflammation is, is very, as I said, insidious. So, you know, the cell, when um, it's distressed, causes, like I mentioned, distressed uh, cells around it as well. And in fact, the mitochondria within the cell become distressed. And, um, and if this doesn't stop, we have what's called cell danger response. And so, you know, people with autoimmune disorders or pain disorders, this continues, this response continues because the mitochondria keeps signaling to the brain, help, we need help here. And so, one, but once we reverse that inflammation, within the cell, the mitochondria calm down and all goes back to normal, hopefully. And explain the importance of the mitochondria, especially as it relates, because you mentioned something that I'm very interested in as I get older, is slowing the aging mm -hmm. process and having healthy mm -hmm. mitochondria. So talk a little bit about mitochondria and what its role is in the cell and why and how we, it's, why it's important and how we can keep healthy mitochondria. Yeah, it's extremely important. When you look at like, uh, you know, you think about your mitochondria, it is directly affected by, you know, every, the hallmarks of aging. It is one of the hallmarks of aging, mitochondrial, dis, mitochondrial dysfunction, right? And so it's always, you know, uh, a part of all the dysregulation, if you will, that's going on in the body and inflammation is a big part of it. And so mitochondria are little tiny organelles that uh, create ATP. 
which is adenosine triphosphate. And that's what our body uses cellularly to literally keep us alive. That cellular energy is what is, is used uh, the, that the mitochondria make every single second, okay? And without it, you know, we're, we're not doing too well because right. we wouldn't be around. Um, so, it, it, you know, you think about an older person, a frail older person, that's an example of somebody who uh, they don't have any muscle mass, they're very, very frail, right, and thin, and they can't walk well, and they're tired all the time. Well, that's somebody who has uh, few mitochondria, and they're not healthy mitochondria. So uh, one of the, the key ways to slow aging is to keep those mitochondria healthy and happy. And uh, so that's where we keep inflammation away, and why uh, inflammation directly uh, affects every area of our body, our brain health, our heart health, everything. As I mentioned, you know, it's uh, weight gain, it's, um, you know, all the, you know, the core underlying cause of most diseases like cancer, arthritis, obesity, uh, diabetes, every, most every disease you can think of is uh, an inflammatory one. So, and with that being said, and I know that you have authored, uh, I believe, uh, you know, at least one book that I know of for sure on ketogenic diets and the, the right. whole idea. And so let's talk about a ketogenic diet. First of all, define the terms for the folks, you know, let them know what you consider a ketogenic diet, because there are some variances as to what people, you know, you know, how they define that, the importance of a ketogenic diet and how it can impact the lowering, the spinning down of inflammation and making sure that you stay managed, you know, and, and why this idea of creating ketones in our body why that is so important as an energy source and just some of the some of the things around that that can lead to and then i want to get into the conversation also that we talked about uh whenever i saw you on on a show on when you're on the doctors you know i i let's kind of lead into i think a ketogenic diet takes takes us very nicely into intermittent fasting and and kind of the timing of our meals and sort of that but just start with where does ketogenic a ketogenic diet fit into this whole idea of keeping inflammation at bay, insulin resistance, and feel free to tell this audience, again, I, I cannot reiterate enough, especially I have a younger daughter who is type 1 diabetic. And so we, we talk a lot about, you know, <clears throat> insulin resistance and her not having any insulin. And so, you know, just what what is a ketogenic diet and how does it play a part in this, this kind of tactic that we're talking about to keep inflammation low? Yeah, so the ketogenic diet is a diet that is dramatically low in carbohydrates, right? It was uh, 50, 25 to 50 grams of carbohydrates a day. And you think about the average half a bagel has 45 grams of carbs, yeah. you know, so uh, you're getting your most of your carbs from vegetables. All right. So uh, the, those carbs, it, you have a net carb effect where you subtract the amount of fiber from the total carb count and um, and you can work that way as well with the vegetables. So you can eat as many vegetables as you want on the ketogenic diet. You want mostly protein and fat, um, carbohydrates spike insulin, spike glucose, protein spikes uh, both a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it depends on the situation and fat, nothing. Okay. So this is one of the reasons why the ketogenic diet is so beneficial and so healthy is because you're not, you know, creating metabolic disaster, if you will. <laughs> and so, um, so the, 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 thing with the ketogenic diet, it's kind of like uh, once you became, you become fat adapted, you become fat adapted, you are then good to go because your body is not burning glucose in the way it used to before. And compared to burning ketones for fuel, you're burning, uh, you know, you're burning glucose, which is like, uh, the analogy I like to use is like exhaust automobile exhaust. It's a dirty kind of combustion that's happening. It's, you know, you think about the black smoke coming out of the car. That's, that's glucose. That's okay? good. I like that. It's not, I didn't make it up. 
And, yeah. don't, and so, don't, don't, don't uh, tell us. We wouldn't have known. You're, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, good for memory because it works. That's, I like that. Thank you. And so um, then, the, then you compare it to ketones, right? So ketones are when you are using your fat for fuel and dietary fat as well, you are essentially creating a clean fuel. And this fuel is really stoking all the metabolic markers, if you will, that you want in terms of optimal health, reversing inflammation, promoting brain health, heart health, the list literally goes on. And um, it's it, you can compare it to like a, a stoking a fire, right? Where you get a nice log in there and it slowly burns and it's a cleaner fuel versus the automobile. Well, that's, that's exactly what's happening in the body because, uh, you know, the, the cells are, are liking these ketones, right? And the brain loves ketones. Many people say, oh, the brain needs glucose. Well, it, it can survive on both. And there's always a measure and amount of, um, glucose stored within the body but but primarily the brain loves ketones and that's why there's so much research showing its beneficial effect for people who have alzheimer's dementia it, it mitigates what's going on with them in terms of their their uh, disability and in terms of prevention it is highly recommended but it was first created back in the 30s i believe uh for epileptic children because you know, they didn't know what to do. These children were having epileptic fits. They found out that, you know, more fat and protein in the diet stopped as many epileptic fits as uh, seizures as, as possible. They were still having some, but not nearly as many. And then medication came along and the parents found it much easier to give medication to their children versus the diet. And obviously, you know, adherence to the ketogenic diet is tough for adults. So you can imagine for children. And, uh, and so that's, you know, that was a long time ago. And now we're, people think that the ketogenic diet is a fad diet and it's not, it is absolutely been around for a long time. And there's research in every area. In my book, I have 25 pages of, uh, really good research documenting the evidence of it. And, um, you know, you, it's people, the, the, the problem with the ketogenic diet is that it's so hard to adhere to because once you do adhere to it though, and you're good and you're in ketosis, you're good to go. You feel fantastic. And one of the reasons is, is you're keeping that inflammation away. Um, the, you are stopping the NLRP3 inflammasome, which literally creates inflammation in the body. You're, you're just halting it in its tracks. And so that's a really important point and why the ketogenic diet is an anti-inflammatory way of eating. Many people think, oh, well, it has so much meat in it. Well, it's moderate protein. Mm -hmm. It's not high in protein, which is uh, a fallacy, many people think. And um, there are no vegetables in it. And well, there are because, you know, you're getting you can eat as many vegetables as you want. So see, that's the problem. You're not getting the carbs you're getting are not the ones you really want, like the rice and the beans. And the <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But one of the things, one of the things it does for you, though, is like you mentioned it is I know whenever I am eating and I, my natural way of eating is is somewhat uh, I guess paleo I've done full-blown ketogenic before but my, my carbs are always very low and you just feel yeah. so much better you have so much more energy yeah. and now one of the things that I as a matter of fact I had a friend of mine and I did I didn't agree or disagree I just never read any of the research on it and it made sense to me he said that essentially if you are going to do uh, a ketogenic diet then you also must do intermittent fasting now that said i i want your take on just that comment in general but then also from that let's go into uh i am a strong you know disclaimer i am a strong proponent of intermittent fasting not just for and, and this is where i go to that conversation that i watched when i was well, i was doing some research for this interview with you your appearance on the doctors it seemed like the whole conversation it was all about 
calories. It was all about food quantity. As a matter of fact, one of the physicians, the I guess the main guy on the show said something I, I found very surprising because it was a complete contradiction of what, um, oh, is it Sashin Panda that wrote uh, the Circadian Code or whatever? That you know, yeah, the, uh, right? yeah, yeah. You know, all of his research says well the exact opposite. The, the the physician on the show said it's not a matter of when you eat or whatever, as long as you eat good food, which is not exactly true as we're talking about our circadian rhythm. But what is your take on intermittent fasting combined with keto? And then let's just talk about what is really going on with regard to inflammation and a an intermittent or a, a, a targeted eating window. Can, you know, let's let's kind of combine those two. What what are your thoughts? Um, so yeah, it was really interesting because you know they had the audience. They asked the audience, you know, and the doctors, do you like do you like intermittent fasting? And you know they were all no because you know nobody likes to go without a meal, right? So we've been conditioned for over a hundred years to have three squares a day with snacks in between. People are overwhelmed by the fact that you just really don't have to eat. You know, you aren't starving. We've all had to fast for 12 hours for a blood test. Um, so there you go, right there. Many people have fasted and they didn't realize it. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's just really interesting that, you know, how people are prejudiced unless and, until they get to hear something over and over again, right? Then, you know, it becomes more familiar to them. And, uh, but anyway, so everyone's heard about intermittent fasting and, and they've heard that it's really good for you and that it promotes weight loss and all these wonderful things. But I'm here to say that again, as I said early on, that it, it's not, everyone is not the same, same with the ketogenic diet. You know, it may not be as beneficial for you as it was for your friend. Intermittent fasting, um, same thing. You know, we have, uh, you know, I, I am actually, I believe that muscle is more important than fasting long-term for, for optimal aging, right? Sure. So you get, yeah, so when you get uh, enough muscle, and you have good quality muscle, meaning there's not fat in it, and you're you're literally uh, creating muscle synthesis. And as you age, that's that's a key factor in optimal health and slower aging and metabolic health. Uh, I don't think people realize. Under, I don't think they've they understand the importance of muscle in slowing aging. And and I can go into why uh, in a second, but. Um, you know, intermittent fasting, if you do it chronically, long periods of time, it, it uh, shrinks muscle mass, okay? And so that's where I have a problem with the long term, especially for women. Uh, we women are fine, t you know, hormonally fine tuned, we're wired differently than men. And so we're very sensitive to um, uh, period, less periods of uh, longer periods of time eating, right? Mm -hmm. Of not eating. And so, um, you know, we can have uh, a, women can experience a lack of periods, they, which are re reproductive health is a sign of optimal health. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want that and we want optimal um, health. And so sometimes, and if, if it's working for you, that's fantastic. Always do what works for you. Uh, but from my clients, what I've seen is that when they stop fasting, they come to me and this morning, even, for example, very similar to what I hear people come to me saying, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm just so tired of fasting. I, my exercise is suffering from it. it. I don't feel like I'm getting, you know, like I used to, you know, and, uh, and that's partly the muscle loss. Okay. And you're not getting enough energy. There's when you lack muscle, you're lacking mitochondria. And you're again, you're lacking that that uh, energy your body needs. I go, I go back to the elderly woman or man, you know, with little mitochondria. I know that's a dramatic uh, comparison. But still, you think about it, the more muscle you have, the more mitochondria you have, and the healthier they are. And so but but having said that, Fasting has incredible benefits. I mean, they are from a cellular perspective. You have uh, you're promoting more mitochondria. 
uh, mitochondrial biogenesis, you're promo promoting uh, insulin sensitivity, which is really truly a, a top marker of optimal health. And you're keeping the, in, the glucose low, which means that you're not creating glycation within the body, which means that you're you're not, um, you know, you've seen, you've seen um, fried foods, you've seen uh, caramel, things like that. Those crunchy fried foods is an example of glycation, which happens when you ingest sugar or you have too much glucose going on. And that affects um, the same, it affects tissue in the body on the inside and outside of the body as well. Same chemical process happening. So it's when proteins attach to sugars in the body. And so you have less glucose going on and you're promoting brain health. Uh, everything's given a rest, digest digestion uh, seizes uh, for the most part. And digestion is a huge energy uh, expend uh, expenditure, right, in the body. And so this is all like, um, all of the benefits of fasting are fantastic. You know, we talk about autophagy, um, you know, cellular housekeeping, getting rid of all the junk and the debris within the cell. That's fantastic for, for uh, you know, that happens with fasting. And so, yeah, the, the benefits are amazing. But again, you can still fast and you can uh, also still build muscle, right? Mm -hmm. So it's long fast that um, I see people struggle with, you know, one meal a day, you know, uh, you know, one meal every other day it may be better than one meal a day. You know, it just depends on who, who you are and if it's working for you. But three-day fasts or longer, water fasts, dry fasts, all of those cause issues for some. So what do you think is that, like, I usually do a, uh, you know, a 16-hour fast. I usually have an eight-hour feeding window. And I do that pretty much six, if not seven days a week. Uh, I'm trying to adjust that a little bit, like what I'm trying to do, because on Sundays are kind of my active recovery days. And I, I and I'm going back to breakfast, as I'm, as I'm just talking about my, I don't like to eat breakfast. If I eat breakfast now, because I've done this so long, it's like, I feel like I have just been cramming food in my face all day. If I have, a, you know, breakfast, it's just, it's just, it doesn't feel good anymore. So it's not even a conscious thing. But let's say on Sunday I have breakfast. Uh, then what I'll do is around five o'clock, stop eating and that'll probably that, that that might be my 124 hour fast of the week is mm -hmm. that, that following monday just to kind of just clean out everything from the weekend um but i usually am a 16-8 guy do you have you found because i know there's one thing that we haven't been able to answer the question of is what is the optimal length for autophagy you know is it 16 hours is it 18 is it two days there's just no way to really tell I mean, it probably is to come to your point earlier it's it's unique to the individual but what, what is kind of your protocol you recommend? Not just, okay, like for a guy like me that's into it, I, I've, I've done it, it's no big deal. But someone out there that's listening, they're like, okay, I've heard it finally for the last time. Now Jason and Dr. Lawyer are talking about it. I'm going to try to fast. What do you tell them? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, first of all, if you have never fasted before and you've been eating, you know, the standard American diet, don't do it right away. Just slowly delay your breakfast an hour until you get to your, your 12 hours, your 16 hours, et cetera. Right. Like so, um, but in terms of autophagy, which means that the cells are remodeling and they're rebuilding and they're creating, like I mentioned, getting all the junk and the debris out of the cell, uh, you're creating healthy new cells that appears to begin at 18 hours. And unfortunately we don't have tests sensitive enough to determine if it's happening at a shorter period of time, right? A short, a, like a longer fasting period or a shorter fasting period, eating period. I mean, so, you know, at, so it could be happening at 12 hours. We just don't know. And, um, but it, it does start probably at 18 hours, but at 36 hours, you're good to go. You know, you know, there's autophagy happening and, and, uh, probably, you know, even at 24 hours, but, you know, it's hard to say. It yeah. really is. You know, you mentioned something there, too, that I've thought a lot about uh, since referring back to uh, Dr. Panda's book is that a lot of people, they it's kind of like what we're talking about with taking this down to the cellular level. I think mm -hmm. if people can reframe this in their mind that, OK, I'm not 
fasting to lose weight. Instead, I'm trying to sync my circadian rhythm. I'm trying to have cleaner, healthier cells. It's, I think it's this, we have framed so much of health and wellness around uh, depriving ourselves of things as opposed to enhancing our lives. Do you, and, and since you have the background both from a nutritional and a psychological standpoint, have you started to work to get that into your clients' minds? Yeah, in fact, I I actually try, you know, social media everywhere. I I put information out about cellular health. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed, but Mm -hmm. it's, I try to like, even this morning on Twitter, you know, Instagram, it's little things that I I put out there uh, that try to, you know, awaken people and thinking more about cellular health than just, I'm going to look better, right? Right. but you, but it's from a health standpoint, it's, you can't beat it. So, yeah, I think that was well said. And I think, um, you know, I think slowly people are, are starting to understand that this is, this is an important way to go. I think people are learning more about inflammation. They have more of an interest in it. And once that, that shift occurs, across the board, I think we're, we'll be, we'll have a healthier planet. You know, you mentioned early on about mindset, mood from food, right? And so I always think about how healthy and happy our planet would be if everyone really paid attention to what they're eating. I could not agree more. It's one of the whole reasons why the improve always and always mantra that I have is like, you know, it's, it's, it's really a selfish endeavor. I think that if I can be the best version of myself, and then that spills over into the fruit of my fellow men, and then they're the best version of themselves, then we will all find joy and happiness and performing at our optimal best. To me, that that's what really, you know, moves the needle, you know, in just this whole ecosystem that we're all we're all in in together. So, okay, now one of the things that I, I want to touch on just real quick is I heard a statistic yesterday that was so alarming. I mean, we know the, the statistics about Americans being the most obese first world country or, you know, industrialized nation that there is. But there's like 40% of Americans that are considered clinically obese, which is, and, and I think the closest to us I heard was, I can't remember, it was one of the European nations, maybe it was like 30%, or maybe it was Canada, I don't remember. Uh, but either way, 40% of our population. So taking it back to inflammation and the cellular level, when people hear you talk about obesity, I don't think they realize that you're sick if you're obese, just like if you, and, and they don't equate uh, being grossly overweight and drinking sugary soft drinks. That's right. They, they'll, they'll, that, that person will look at somebody smoking a cigarette and go, oh my gosh, how can you smoke? Because mm-hmm. that, they're, they're obviously, they're causing inflammation of their lungs and their respiratory system. The person that is obese that, and that and thus has inflamed fat, they're really not just fat, but they are sick. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, there are some obese people that are metabolically healthy, though. Oh, yeah, it or it's not. crazy. I, yeah. I, I've seen those. It's, you know, it, it trips me out. Yeah. <laughs> Very few, but they're, they're out there. Um, but having said that, yeah, and it's, you know, um, I was watching – um, this video of this woman who was obese and she was just incredible. She was dancing and, you know, doing, you know, incredible things. Um, but you know, she, she started talking about, uh, other people eating a poor diet and, you know, not taking care of their health. And I was, I was, I didn't know what to think. I was confused about her judgment, right. Right. Versus, but we all do that. I remember when my mother, uh, my grandmother, she was like right before she died, she was watching Julia Childs on TV. And she said, she said, God, she looks horrible. <laughs> I said, I didn't say anything. I just couldn't believe that, you know, that, that, but we all do that. You know, it's just part of our human nature. But yeah, it is metabolically unhealthy, which, you know, has, is, you know, I talk about fat inflammation, inflamed fat cells, that's low grade inflammation throughout the body. Yeah. And there's one thing I want to ask you before we go to, because there's a lot of foods that, and I actually credit my buddy, James Quandall, who brought this to my attention. So 
a lot of these industrial seed oils, they are in every, in a lot of the stuff that people, I guarantee you right now, that they have in their kitchens that they think are healthy, like the alternatives to chips or whatever. No, if it's in a bag and it's in that middle aisle, it's crap. I've just learned it's all crap in the middle of the, the grocery store. I don't care what it says because you'll look and sure enough, like my freaking favorite almond butter, I looked in it and it had one of these oils. It was palm oil or something. I'm like, you can't escape no. it. You have got to be proactive. So, for example, if you're trying to cut sugar out, you also have to look for this, these industrial type oils, right? And uh, these, and the reason these oils are so bad, particularly combined with sugar, which they generally are, mm -hmm. you find them, you know, in every food, every food, sugar and these these oils like canola, corn. Um, canola corn soy is soy has just been found to promote uh poor brain health um and you know the list is you know the vegetable oil for example you know people think vegetable oil well it's healthy it's vegetables <laughs> and it's, yeah and it really isn't right they named it that so people would buy it and feel good about using it mm -hmm. and uh, and if you saw how these oils are processed they you wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole particularly canola oil and just look at the youtube videos on how it's processed but so having said that these oils are so inflammatory that you know the body doesn't know what to do with them so what happens is is they stiffen the cell membrane which is where health happens essentially the nutrients come in and out and more and they stiffen the cell matrix right so the cell matrix becomes stiff inside the cell membrane becomes stiff and so you're nutrient deficient you have inflammation going on the cells in distress and so you can see you know you're you're gaining weight you have you have cravings for sugar you have carb cravings and so much more and so the, there are oils that are processed, but they're, they're called minimally processed, right? Like olive oil. Mm -hmm. And olive oil is one of the healthiest oils. So if you get rid of the canola, the corn, the soy, the vegetable, for example, the grapeseed oil, um, you, you are doing yourself an incredible service. You truly are. But you have to stop buying these cooking oils and replace them with healthy oils, oils like olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, use butter, tallow, you know, saturated fat is a very stable, healthy fat. One of the reasons those oils are so unhealthy is because uh, they're unstable and they oxidize very quickly. In fact, they're created with heat. They're already oxidized. Right. And so instead of like, like say, an olive oil uh, go bad, you know, they're they're making it bad already. Wow. So that that olive oil oxidizes, Yeah. You know, in a year or two. But in uh, these other oils, they're created oxidized. Wow. Yeah. And then, then you go and put it in your body. That's the thing that's just, it just trips me out. Once you start learning how kind of, how gross some of this stuff is and the it's thing that really sucks, the, the thing is. That, no, <laughs> it is. And the thing that sucks is like, I, you know, I've, I've got, I've gotten to the point where I never thought I would be, and I, and please, I'm not like the snobby guy that looks down on, I mean, I think the 10, I've always said this before. I think the 10 cent calorie is a modern marvel in a lot of ways considering where we've come from throughout the history of mankind and how hard it was to get uh, calories. So it, it is a modern marvel. But at the same time, when you look around at all the stuff that is basically pretending to be food, but is just absolute garbage that yeah. people are shoveling yeah. in their body, it's, yeah. it's scary. And it's no wonder we're so ill. We're so, it's no wonder people that ended up in the hospital due to COVID, why they ended up there, why people are so fat. It's because all this stuff that is being it's fake food. It's not real. It's just a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, garbage. It's, it's, it, it's scary. You know, they actually have food engineers creating this yeah. garbage. Mm -hmm. These people are hired to create foods that we absolutely love and we have to keep buying over and over. We can't stop eating, you know, like nobody can eat just one potato chip. Well, they, uh, they have like, 
10 PhDs now in terms of food engineering, because people are highly addicted. And, you know, and so I guess the message would be to look out for these oils as much as you look out for sugar on these packages. And truly, you know, most packages you shouldn't be buying anyway, all packaged processed food is bad for you. It's inflammatory. And um, unless they're a package of olives or something. Right, right, right. All right. Before I let you go, I want you to leave this audience with three things that you do every single day that they could adopt. You talked about earlier, vitamin D universal. We all need it. It's going to benefit all of us. So yeah, we all need our vitamin D. What are three things that you do every day that this audience, they could adopt right now moving towards whether they're just beginning their health journey or there's somebody like me who's already this is doing everything to possibly optimize this this old this old body what are three right. things they could do so uh the first thing i would say is to eat a salad every day okay i'm not a vegetarian i'm not you know a vegan or i just highly believe in the nutrition of vegetables okay there are some people that can't eat them and i understand that um but our gut, we didn't get into gut health, but the fibers from vegetables feed the healthy gut bugs. And the, the healthier our gut, our microbiome is, the healthier, leaner, happier we are, okay? Mm-hmm. And we are. And so um, that would be one, have a leafy green salad every day or you know at least vegetables. Um, then take a walk every day walk a a walk a day keeps the doctor away as i put on social media yesterday it truly is transforming because you're in nature hopefully (laughs) and uh you're getting out into the fresh air hopefully and sunshine and so much more so you know even if it's hot out super hot like where i live right now it's you know 100 degrees with super high humidity Mm -hmm. it's miserable but that's called hormesis which is you know, what stresses your body out a little bit will make you a healthier person, right? The opposite is true too with cold. So get outside. And, um, and then the other would be a supplement, I, I would say is to improve your mitochondrial health. And so that would be with magnesium. Most people are deficient in magnesium it is required for over 300 processes in the human body and uh you know including our mitochondria they need they need uh magnesium as well so magnesium is is one of those foundational healthy nutrients tough to get it you know the amount that you need for optimal health in our diet these days because in modern age now uh the the soil is depleted of nutrients um, you know, uh, we, the storage time, the transit time to get to the store, you know, you, you storing it at home, et cetera, et cetera. So those are three things if you're, if you're just starting out or not to do every day. Fantastic. I'm doing all of those. I, I love a big salad. The only thing I'm not doing is I'm not eating a salad every day, although I used to. What is what is kind of your go-to? I, I have a – my wife was making fun of me yesterday. She's like, okay, whenever you get fixated on something, like bless her heart, I burned her out on my leafy green and fruit and berry salads. That's what I would make every day. So what what is kind of your go-to salad that you like? And talk about the dressing. I mean, do you just go to get some craft blue cheese off the shelf? And, not, yeah. I, can't, I can't even say that with a straight face. Uh, so what, what what does your salad look like? Um, so um, definitely no craft. Absolutely not. <laughs> really? Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so mine is, I always have arugula. I mm. love it. I definitely love arugula. It's a spicy yeah. uh, baby arugula. Um, and then um, because it's a cruciferous veggie as well, which means that you're promoting more glutathione in the cell creating more cellular health, right? And then I'll have olives in there and olive oil, of course, garlic. I put garlic powder and and onion powder in there because there are condensed forms of nutrients like quercetin, for example, uh, for the onion powder. And um, and then avocado is in there as well. And that's pretty much, I can't remember, I think that's about it. But yeah, that's, that's my 
my salad uh, that I have every day. And, um, and I love it. I absolutely don't love it. You know, sometimes I'll have half an avocado in the morning as well. I'll have um, a whey drink, not smoothie or shake, but, you know, whey with some type of nut milk um, and some cinnamon and some moringa powder. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, no, no. Tell me and, about that. I don't know. I've never heard that. I, what is that? Yeah, it's a it's a really incredibly healthy food. I mean, it's a vegetable, if you will. It's a plant, okay. and it is the, the look up moringa when you see it. It's anti cancer. It okay. optimizes cellular health, reverses inflammation in the body. It is incredible. And so I put a little uh, about two teaspoons of it in there, and um, some cinnamon to keep the blood sugar down. And I mix mix that up. And then um, I'll have more olives, avocado, as I mentioned. I think that's about it. Is that enough? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good. Enough food. No, that's good <laughs> basic. And one of the things, too, that you mentioned that I, I have learned, I used to be someone that, and I have gotten really good at making homemade dressings, but a lot of people, when you tell them, start eating salads, they're like, okay, and then you ask them, and they will dump just, they'll, they'll smother it in a, in a crappy dressing. Right. But when right. you start to learn if you eat good, fresh, organic, bursting with flavor vegetables, and you start to add avocado and then maybe some walnuts, and then when you start to learn to play with spices, a salad can be yeah. You know, salad can be Sorry. fantastic with. No, I was gonna say salad can be fantastic with nothing but a little olive oil and lemon juice or something. You don't have to have your salad exactly. smothered, and I, I've I've finally learned that. Right. And it's, you know, and you can add a little mustard if you want for yeah. some acid in there. It's just really good. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. Lunch. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 please. I'll, I'll keep you as long as you'll let me. Lunch. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. What, what do you have for lunch? Seriously. No, I don't know. I absolutely do not know what I'm going to have. Probably uh, canned salmon with oh. salad, you know, yeah. something like that. See, something I, good like that. I, or I last wish. night's dinner. Uh, well, I, that's one of my hardest things is I wish that I liked sardines and this, I had a can of salmon last week. I just don't like it. It just, oof, I wish yeah. I did. It's just so good. Those omega threes are so awesome. You are not alone. I'm yeah. just so happy that I do because yeah. it's an easy way to get those omega threes in. And, you know, and I, I just had my omega three tested and it, I was at the highest wow. level. Wow. And so. And I specifically wanted to know if the fish oil I'm taking was doing its job because I don't eat a lot of fish. You know, I eat well for lately I have been, but for there was a period of time where I wasn't eating a lot, you know, maybe mm -hmm. once a week. Um, but uh, but the fish oil capsules that I'm taking are working. So <laughs> do you have a particular brand that you recommend? Um, I recommend Life Extension is what I'm taking. They're super omega threes. Okay. The only problem with those is that there's four of them. So you take, and I, I do divided doses. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's research showing that the people with the highest omega-3 level in their body live longer and age slower than those. The average American has a, a level of about four. Mm -hmm. And so Japanese who live the longest have about 12, wow. which is the highest go okay okay well dr Lori, this has been fantastic now tell everybody where they can find you tell them where they can find your 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 books which are fantastic just how do how do people connect with you um so you can find me on social media all over the place i'm on instagram as dr Lori shemek and facebook page dr Lori shemek and uh, Twitter is Lori Shemek. And so every day I post healthy, you know, healthy information tidbit that's, uh, that's easily applied. It, you know, you don't, it's not complicated information you can use essentially. And, um, and then my books, you know, you can find them on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Um, you know, I've written four of them uh, all all about reducing inflammation in their own way, such as with intermittent fasting, the ketogenic diet. Um, my book, I mentioned how to fight fat inflammation. Um, that those those books uh, will, will help you reverse inflammation in the body. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for this time. This has been fun. And one of the things you mentioned that we didn't get to talk about a lot was gut health. I would love, we could, if you're willing sometime, I'd love to get you back and, and talk about gut health. I I am, I'm all in. Yeah, it's a deal. All right. Thank you, Dr. (laughs) Lori. This to mention my website. Oh yeah. Well, it is the the one thing, uh, com, And also I have a podcast called this podcast burns fat. Awesome. There's so much to remember. It's on all all platforms. The podcast is, and I'll make sure so. and put it on uh, on all the show notes so that people can. Because like I have, I have benefited from figuring out who you were, following you, and now to get to actually meet you. Uh, I, I'm and, and and to know that you're in Texas. I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. I'll get the I'll bugger all the time. I, I was talking about the weather. Of course, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. you're in Texas, and it is <laughs> it is freaking yeah. hot. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Well, okay. Doc, Dr. Lori, thank you so much. Sit tight, and I'll say goodbye to you after I stop the recording. Well, that does it for this episode of the Jason Wright Show. This has been a Texas Titans media production. Hey, thank you so much, Dr. Lori, and thank you so much, folks, for joining us. Don't forget to go out to jasonwrightnow.com and subscribe to the Vitruvian Letter. That's just my newsletter where I talk about all the things I'm doing to try to improve always and always. And also, pick up a copy of the Stone Chiseler at Amazon.com. I know you will enjoy this book. And until we meet again, don't forget, always endeavor to improve. Always and always. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. I'm Jason, and I am out.